generation of military assassins. They are genetically engineered to think their way into an enemy's lair, where they bite the neck of the target and infect them with a concentrated poison that is completely undetectable and that will render the victim dead within an hour. Now they have escaped the lab and were last seen heading north, straight for the central U.S. Be on guard. They could be in your neighborhood within the month. Dear Lord, it was worse than she'd imagined. She got up from her desk and headed straight into Leo Kirby's office. He was online, reading some poor slob's blog and making copious notes. Leo was a short, lean man with long black hair that he always wore in a ponytail. He also had a goatee, cold gray eyes that never laughed, and a strange spiderweb tattoo on his left hand. In his mid-thirties, he'd be cute, if he wasn't so damned annoying. Killer? Moths? she asked. He looked up from his notepad. You said we were going to have a moth invasion. I just had Joni rewrite the story to make it more marketable. Joni? You had Joni rewrite the story? The woman who wears tinfoil in her bra so that the people with x-ray vision can't see her breasts? That Joni? Yeah, she's my best writer. I thought I was your best writer, Leo. He swiveled his chair to face her. You would be, if you had any imagination whatsoever. Come on, Sue, embrace your inner child. Embrace the absurd that lives amongst us. Think Ibsen. He gave a weary sigh. But no, you never do, do you? I send you out to investigate the bat boy who lives in the old church belfry, and you come back with a story about moths infesting the rafters. What the hell is that? It's called reality, Leo. Screw reality. It don't make my Porsche payments. Bullshit does that, and I like it that way. You are such a toad. He paused as if an idea had struck him. He reached for his pad where he quickly scribbled something. Employee kisses toady boss to discover an ancient immortal prince. Uh, better yet, a god. Yeah, an ancient god, a Greek god who's been cursed to live as a sex slave to women. I like it. Can you imagine? Women all over the country will be kissing their bosses to test the theory. He looked at her with a wicked grin. Shall we try the experiment and see if it works? Hell no. Trust me, even with a thousand kisses, you'd still be a toad. He was totally undaunted. I still think we should give it a try. He wagged his eyebrows at her. You know, I would bring you up on sexual harassment charges, but that would imply that you have actually had sex in your lifetime. He scribbled again. Sexually frustrated boss turns into screaming lunatic. Susan groaned. Leo, stop turning everything into a cheesy headline. She rubbed at the sudden pain she felt behind her right eye. Look, Sue, he said, as if he felt an uncharacteristic wave of sympathy for her. I know how hard these last couple of years have been for you, okay? But you're not an investigative reporter anymore. Her chest tightened at his words. Words she didn't really need to hear since they haunted her every minute of every day. Two and a half years ago, she'd been one of the foremost investigative reporters in the country. Her former boss had nicknamed her Hound Dog Sue because she could sniff a story from a mile away and then run it to ground and bring it home. And in one moment of gross stupidity, her whole world had come crumbling down around her. She'd been so hungry that she'd run headlong into a setup that had completely destroyed her reputation. But for Leo, whom she'd met in college when they'd worked on the campus paper staff together, she'd have never worked in journalism again. 
For that, she owed the little toad. Leo tore a sheet of paper off and slid it toward her. What's this? she asked. It's a web address. There's some college kid who goes by the name Dark Angel, who claims that she's working for the undead. She stared at him. A vampire? Uh, not exactly. She says he's an immortal, shape-shifting warrior who annoys the hell out of her. She's local, so I want you to check it out and see what else she has to say, and then report everything back to me. Shapeshifter, huh? Is this before or after she drops acid? Leo made an irritated noise. Why don't you at least try to get into the spirit of the job? You know, it's really not bad at all. In fact, it's actually highly entertaining. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy being a laughingstock after she'd been working for the Washington Post. Yeah. She turned around and headed back to her desk as she looked at the blog address in her hand. It's stupid. Don't even go to the site. But before long, she did. And there it was, a black page with some hand-drawn gothic artwork on a website called deadjournal.com. But her absolute favorite part had to be the header that read, Musings from the Dark and Twisted Mind of a Damned College Student. The girl, Dark Angel, was certainly that. Her entries showed the typical angst of an average student who was seriously delusional and in need of years of therapy. June 3rd, 2006, 6.45 a.m. Someone please shoot me. So here I was trying to study for my test tomorrow. I am engrossed in the complexities of Babylonian math when all of a sudden my cell phone rings and scares the total shit out of me because the house is even more silent than a tomb. At first I stupidly thought it was my father until I looked closer at the number, and no, not him. Those who've been reading my journal know that it's my boss because who else would call me at this ungodly hour and think that I have no life whatsoever except to serve his every whim and need? Really, take my advice and never work for an immortal. They have no respect whatsoever for those of us with finite lives. 5.30 in the morning, there he is, calling to tell me that he's just killed off a bunch of undead people. Okay, vampires, but I really hate to use that word because it draws out all sorts of lunatic weirdos. But back to my original thought that I need to pick him up since it's about to be dawn and he can't make it home before the sun turns him into grilled toast. Now here's where I tirade against the fact that if he were just a regular shapeshifter, I wouldn't have to go get him. He'd be able to get home without help. He could just teleport himself into the house. But back when he made the bargain to become immortal, that ability was taken from him, along with the one that allows him to travel through time and the ability to walk as a man in daylight. Oh, and I have to bring him clothes since he'll most likely be in cat form at Pike's Market, which is the only way he can be in daylight and not be a crispy critter. So when he switches back into human form, he'll be naked and will need clothing. He's a buff god in theory, but since I've known him all my life, it's like seeing your brother naked, can we say? Ew. It pisses me off, but I go since he pays me, and if I don't, he'll tell on me again and get me into all kinds of trouble. So after I hoof my butt over there to get his sorry ass, what do I find? Nothing but a couple of homeless people who think I've lost my mind as I search for my cat while holding male clothing, which I slowly remember won't do any good since he can't shift back into a human until after I get him home, that rank bastard on his pranks. I'm sure Catman Moron found some bimbo to shack up with and shag for the day, but damn it all, couldn't he have called and told me that? No. 
So here I am, chugging extra caffeinated espresso and hoping I stay awake for my test this afternoon. Thanks, boss. Where's animal control when you really need them? Susan let out a tired breath as she rubbed her brow. The girl needed some serious professional help. But what the hell? It wasn't like she had anything else to do other than go and investigate the immortal Catman of Pike's Market. No matter the location or day, every animal shelter in the United States seemed to always hold the same pungent odor of cleaning antiseptic mixed with wet fur. Today was no different. The cat cages were lined along two walls where some of the felines slept, while others played, ate, or groomed. All except one. That one crouched as if ready to kill, and it watched everything around it with the sharp intellect of a vicious predator. At first glance, it appeared to be a regular Bengal house cat. But if one looked closer, it looked just like an Arabian leopard, only it weighed a scant 15 pounds instead of 60. More than that, its eyes were an eerie shade of black. While the other cats wore plain white collars, this one wore one of silver. It was a very special collar that caught in light and flashed with a preternatural gleam. And what made it so special? Certainly not the thinness of its strap, or the fact that it had no buckle on it. No, it was the unseen circuitry that ran along the underside of the silver fabric, circuitry that had been designed to send out inhibitors that couldn't be felt by man or beast, unless the creature was both man and beast. A devilish invention by those who wanted some control over the magic of others, this collar kept this particular cat in its current feline form. And that, seriously.